0: You are listening to the Entrepreneurial Thought Leader series, brought to you weekly by the Stanford Technology Ventures Program. You can find podcasts and video clips of these lectures online at edcorner.stanford.edu. For any of you who have been reading the newspapers, listening to the news this week, you know how lucky we are to have Sue Decker here with us today. Uh, She is the president. (laughs) What's that? They are glad to get in oh, yeah, the, yeah. The folks at Yahoo said, go home for the day. Uh, well, listen, she is the president of Yahoo, and you can imagine this is a pretty busy week for her. And uh, so we're going to probably get some really interesting insights uh, into what's going on there during this very exciting week. Uh, as a little bit of background, uh, Sue Decker has been at Yahoo since 2000, and she started out as a CFO and has risen through the ranks and is now the president. And for all those students in the room, just to understand her academic background, she started out at Tufts as a computer science and economics student, and then went on to Harvard Business School. So, uh, let's give her a big, one, warm welcome. Uh, Sue Decker.
1: Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Uh, as I was listening to the introduction, I thought year 2000, Like uh, I think you guys were in elementary school or something at that point, so it feels like, uh, <laughs> feels like, it's uh, just like yesterday that I joined Yahoo!, but uh, it's always Great to come back and uh, see the bright, eager uh, minds in the room and um, thrilled to be here. Uh, it was great also walking around the campus and feeling, seeing the nice weather and everybody in backpacks. The only challenge was uh, parking. Is parking really hard here? I, I parked in like special permit only. I'm afraid I'm going to get arrested when I leave. So, <laughs> Anybody has like a tag they can give me when I get out to go get my car off the tow truck, that would be helpful. So... Um, So I, uh, Tina just said talk about anything, so I'm not actually sure what I'm talking about. I think I'm talking about, uh, I tried to think what might be interesting for an entrepreneurial class, and um, it seems to me that uh, one of the things that you're probably all thinking about is going out and starting companies and creating really cool products and building businesses around that. And in fact, that is how Yahoo started, with two of your very own, Jerry and David, and um, And and it worked really well, but what I want to talk a little bit about is the power of actually focusing on the customer as the guiding light in everything you do. And that is, uh, you know, customer fixation or customer centricity is something that's uh, almost become trite. It's used so often, but it's really, really, really hard to do. And it's um, super hard to change if you don't start that way. And it has a lot of power in how successful your company is. And I think actually some of the problems Yahoo's had in the last few years are a result of very much focusing on products as opposed to cons- customers and consumers. And we're trying to change that now. So I'll give you a couple examples and then um, I'm happy to take any questions on any topic. I can't talk about a few of them, but um, when we're done, you can ask questions on anything you want to, whether it's in this presentation or not. So, um, so just uh, thinking about uh, you know what, what is important about customers. That in, in our world, uh, we have three groups that we consider uh, our, our constituents. Now only one is a paying customer. Uh, that's the one in the middle. These are the advertisers who bring to you free internet services. Um, but on the left are the users all over the world. We have 500 million people that come to Yahoo every month. If we were a country, we'd be the third largest country. 500 million is a lot of people. Uh, and uh, publishers and developers. So what a publisher is, is Yahoo's a publisher. Uh, I just want to get the language straight and then we'll, we'll go from there, but um, a publisher is any company that has inventory. Inventory are web pages. You guys generate them, consumers all over the world. Uh, but it's, it's uh, inventory that we can sell to advertisers. And, uh, hang on one sec. So, so those are the three groups in what we call our ecosystem and I'll come back to that. But uh, Publishers, advertisers, and users. And then of course developers are third party developers that might develop apps on the site. Very similar to what Facebook did recently, where they opened up and attracted third-party apps to, 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 to innovate on top of their platforms. So this is, this is, what we, this is our little ecosystem. And um, I guess going back to the beginning, Yahoo focused on creating some really, really cool products. And everyone who worked at Yahoo when we were small was very engaged in all parts of that process. They were very close to the customers. We tried to create something. David and Jerry started creating, helping people find what they're looking for organizing the web at a time that the web was not organized. And uh, at the time, they were organizing porn sites, as you guys know, at Stanford. But uh, it it went into something much much larger than that when they left. Uh, So in the beginning, it was very, very easy to do that. And we focused on developing the very best email service, um, best uh, mail uh, for finance, sports, news groups. We got into search a little late. Uh, We outsourced early on to uh, a number of providers, ultimately Google, helped them build their brand. That was one of our biggest mistakes in hindsight, but um, <laughs> as, you, uh, as you look at the, uh, the landscape there, we developed a lot of different products. And then as you get bigger and bigger, and you're attracting audiences all over the world, in order to organize and prioritize and make decisions, we set up sort of P&Ls around each of these products. Uh, and that uh, made a lot of sense, but as you get larger, it causes you to lose what's important to the user as a whole, who's looking at an integrated experience across many of them. So I'll come back to that in a minute. So there were basically three phases of Yahoo. Phase one from like 95 to 2000 was, was get big fast. That's where we went from zero to about 300 million users. Uh, and it was all about we were very decentralized. We let uh, push down decision making all over the globe in order to get our brand out there and, 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 and attract users. This is a time when hundreds of companies are going public. Capital mo- markets were on fire. Everyone understood that the commercialization of the internet was a really, really important thing. I didn't know which companies necessarily were going to make it. And so, financed a lot of companies. Um, from 2000 to 2006, uh, we went. I guess we got to 188 million in that first phase. Um, we went from 188 to close to 500 million users. We became very, very strong in e- many of these what I'm calling user-product areas. We also started to monetize what we do through media sales and search marketing. So, what that means is, if you look at a, any page, I know you're all familiar with this, but just to set the table, um, there are Pages that might have a text link ad that comes based on a search string that you you, uh, a user puts in, and then ads will be served back and they're noted as sponsored in certain cases, and then the rest of the algorithmically ranked results are served. But then pretty much everything else on the on the internet is monetized through what we call display ads or video ads or even text link ads, but on inventory that's not search inventory. And so these were the we we had different groups: Salesforce focusing on display, video text, anything non-search. We had a Salesforce focused on search. And we had all these products within the o and meaning owned and operated Yahoo network, uh, that, that could be monetized. Phase three is where we are now, which is really flipping the model on its head and saying, how do we organize around an audience uh, independent of where they might want to go? They might care about search. They might care about sports. They might care about weather. Uh, but how do we think about all of our audience products and optimize for the whole, not for any one individual? How do we think about organizing around advertisers and not make artificial distinctions about whether they're buying search or display ads? Because fundamentally, what advertisers are trying to do is buy the marketing funnel. They're trying to, at the top of the funnel, create awareness for their brands. And as you move down the funnel toward creating a transaction, uh, they can use different types of advertising, but search can be used for branding. It can also be used for direct marketing. And same with uh, branding. It can be used um, in, in both places. So the last 18 months of Yahoo is about rebooting the company around these three groups. And it's everything from strategy, to organization, uh, to uh, process. And one of the things we found is our scale is our power. That's our strength. But the scale became a weakness because a lot of these things were not connected in ways that, that leveraged it. And it makes it really hard to change once you get to that size. Um, so these are some of the challenges that we faced. Um, I'm going to start with advertisers, then I'm going to go to users, and then developers, and wrap it up. Uh, but one of the, the really important trends that's happened, I'll give you some um, slides that show examples of this in a minute, is what advertisers started to want is to reach whatever consumer most wanted to buy their product. And it might be on Yahoo, but it might be on Facebook, or it might be on AOL, or it might be on Google, it may be anywhere. So uh, the, the advertiser doesn't care whether they're buying a Yahoo set of properties, they're caring about reaching a demographic of chief household officer of women, or you know men in a certain uh, certain uh, age groups. So uh, what happened was these ad networks started emerging. And um, we, they uh, include you know, ad.com and other things like that, where a, an advertiser can go to one-stop shopping, and the ad network then places their ad on any different publisher, uh, as opposed to our sales force, which was going out and selling Yahoo. If we had organized around customers, if we had been organizing around someone thinking about where ad, what are advertisers doing, what are, what are users doing, we would have seen this earlier. We have leveraged ourselves into the number two ad network. And I, we actually feel like we're in a position to transform the industry now, but we were late in that because we were thinking about selling display on Yahoo or selling search on Yahoo. We weren't thinking about the whole. It also made it very difficult to buy across search and display. And that's true for the industry today. Google's really strong in search, uh, they have their own search sales force, they really have nothing in display. Microsoft is um, not so great in either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just the facts. Uh, so uh, <laughs> so uh, Microsoft is uh, behind us in display and is, is number three in search. And, uh, and, but in, any ca- in every one of these cases, you can't go to one Salesforce. If you're a client, if you're General Motors, and you want to buy internet ads, you've got to work through multiple Salesforces at every single company. So there's channel conflict all over. It's really hard to do that. And uh, we, we have integrated our Salesforce. I'll talk about it later, but we're the only company that's done that so far. Um, it's very difficult to optimize across performance and brand. You know, the question in the early part of the days of the Internet was, uh, should I spend money on the Internet? Should I take money out of broadcast or newspapers and, and buy online? And you could see the audience is building and building. There's a billion people every month right now that go to the Internet in a world of six billion, many of whom are kids or don't have access to computers. That's a huge, huge statement of the power of the Internet. But um, it was uh, very difficult to, for an advertiser to optimize across, across the two uh, and get to the user uh, as opposed to being stuck with various products that companies are creating. It's also difficult to measure effectiveness. Um, back in the day, there, you know, do I advertise on the internet? Now that is totally legitimate. Everyone, every major marketer, top 200 marketers, are advertising on the internet. And in fact, hundreds of thousands are advertising through search marketing. So, uh, so the question now is, how do I optimize? How do I know whether this one is a better uh, place to advertise versus this one? How do I know about pricing? Lots of different questions there. So it's difficult to measure effectiveness. And, and the process of, of making a single buy is incredibly painful. I'll get to that in a minute. But it literally takes weeks. If, if, if uh, an agency or an advertiser says they want to buy a certain you know, 10 million users across a demo, uh, they're going to find pieces of that on multiple different sites. And literally, it's not done by computers. It's done by fax and phone calls. It takes weeks to place, place ads on the internet now. Not in search, but in display. So it's, th- there's a lot of challenges. Um, I think we saw this earlier than any of the other major portal companies. <laughs> But we were we, a lot of the ad networks emerged before we, we we started getting going on this. So what what happened after we did that? Well, the first thing we did is, is uh, reorganize the company around an advertiser and publisher group, uh, user group, um, and uh, that alone had a very big impact in terms of how people were thinking end to end. These are some of the priorities that we are focused on right now. We have seven major priorities. Everyone's totally aligned on this. We decided this last fall, we funded it, and now we're rolling out products that are unbelievably cool, which you'll hear more about soon. Um, but uh, what that meant, uh, our number one priority uh, sounds simple, but get the basics right. We looked at every step in placing an ad. How many different steps do you go through as an advertiser to place an ad? And how do you collapse that so it's much, much easier? What's the uptime from the time you submit your creative to the time it gets up on the, on the site? All kinds of areas for improvement. We integrated our search and display uh, business. This was all of last year, 2007. We had um, our engineering teams come together, our product teams come together, our sales forces come together. That is really hard at scale to do. We change the incentive structures. We have two different sales forces. One is a team system. One's a commission-based system. How do you bring them together and have them be agnostic to go to market to sell, sell each? So there's a lot of background work for the publisher go-to-market um, analytics. Um, we just bought a company, uh, Index Tools, that'll help advertisers understand. Uh, and publishers understand how to optimize better on their inventory. Uh, We just bought a company called Maven Networks that helps with the video. So once we started thinking about the advertiser and what they need, it fundamentally changed almost everything we do. So uh, the other thing that we did is we stopped thinking about Yahoo as uh, a closed system where we're just trying to sell Yahoo inventory. We make the most money when we sell Yahoo inventory, but we started cobbling together a publisher network of other companies that didn't have their own sales forces, or that did, uh, where we could help them. And so we signed up a number of publishers, eBay was our first, uh, started running advertising to supplement their auctions model. Uh, We added Comcast, Uh, we've added a host of them, we're now the number two ad network, meaning if you come through Yahoo you can get distribution on on Yahoo and all these partners. We made AMP, which we just announced, our number one product priority which I'll talk about more, but it fundamentally changes the whole way buying and selling is done online. We hope to do for the whole online industry what Google did in search, and I'll come back to that. Um, We acquired Right Media, which is an open ad exchange, like a um, New York Stock Exchange, where you can uh, buy and sell openly, and it uh, will match the best ad to the best publisher in terms of yield. And we enabled You Sell, We Sell. What does that mean? Well, you think about all these publishers who may have their own sales forces, like MarthaStewart.com, Martha Stewart has incredible audiences, and they just don't have enough inventory. But we're now letting their sales force bundle uh, their inventory with our inventory and sell it as a, and sell it as a, as a package. So it enables their, them to get a lot more money out of what they're doing. So here's just a couple of um, context slides to talk about what's going on in the online industry. Um, this 2007 shows you 43 billion dollars is spent in advertising, 25 billion in display or listings, and 18 billion in search. Uh, as you fast forward to 2010, that's expected to grow almost double to $78 billion, 22% a year. Um, search is growing faster than display, but not a lot faster, 24% versus 19 These two are converging. This search kind of started later, and it's caught up. Um, and what, what, what you don't see on here is that off-network is growing fastest. The fastest-growing piece of this is off-network display, meaning the companies that have their own inventory are growing you know, at a little less than 19% but off-network is growing up, up in the 30% level. That's, that's what uh, ad networks do. Here's just a quick comparison. I won't go through these, but search and display have really different characteristics, which mean that in display, it's actually more important to add some of these innovations than in search. Inventory is highly fragmented. Uh, you, you sell multiple different pricing models uh, and multiple different forms of targeting. And, um, and uh, in search, it's just an auction model, whereas in display... Uh, some advertisers want to know what kind of content they're running by. So they want guaranteed uh, placement. So they're really different businesses, uh, but they're, they're coming together quickly. This just puts a little bit more math on all this. this. is If you want to buy search, you can go to Google or Yahoo and get 90% of the coverage. Um, that You don't really need to go anywhere else. And Google is you know, more than 50, um, actually probably 60 in this because I'm including off network. Um, and Yahoo has a lot of Asia coverage as well. So it's a little higher than you might think. In display, the top 10 players are less than 25%. So in search, we have 20% of the queries and we're number two. In display, we have 8% and we're number one. So display is highly, highly fragmented. So it's a huge advertiser problem to buy distribution across multiple providers. So what Yahoo's trying to do is aggregate. We have 15% of all demand now, 8% of inventory, 15% of revenue. Uh, And we're trying to get up to 30% by adding these very high quality publishers which ultimately we think will drive the pricing a lot higher. There's a massive distribution in pricing. Search costs about $30 per thousand. Non-premium graphical about $0.50. MySpace types of ads cost about $0.08. If we can uh, aggregate demand and aggregate supply and add better targeting to display, we think we can push that whole curve out. Again, none of this would be possible if we weren't thinking about customers. Um, This is the sort of last slide, thinking about uh, advertisers. This is the way it's done today. These are unhappy faces. These are the advertisers. Uh, they're trying to bu- get distribution on publishers. And it's really, really hard. It's there's multiple touch points, totally uh, fragmented, very opaque pricing and systems. Uh, what Yahoo is trying to do is we're going to offer the first web-based uh, hosted application in which an advertiser can go to one place and can get, get distribution on any publisher in literally hours compared to what takes weeks today. And we just announced this. We'll be, li- we'll be rolling it out in the second half of the year. So those are some of the challenges for the advertisers. It's also really hard for the users um, uh, in terms of how we, we first started. We have all these different properties, but they're very siloed. We have 20-plus different user pro- properties, no, not a lot of integration, and we are very closed to outside development. Um, so we may have the best finance site, we may have the best sports site, we may have the best news site. We do have all of those, but we weren't really getting the power of the integration of the user across multiple, multiple sites. So we reorganized under one leader, um, and we are opening up. Yahoo. So what does that mean? Uh, We're basically taking Yahoo and rewiring it so that we can be open to third-party developers who can innovate on Yahoo and very similar to what Facebook did but on a scale that's much, much, much larger. Uh, So that is great because it both uh, is if we can make it easy for developers to develop apps that get distributed all across Yahoo uh, that will help pay for our development and it makes for great experiences for users because we're not going to innovate all the best experiences based on how much of the control of that is now in the hands of users. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples um, of how we're doing that. But I guess one one sort of example before I get here is when we think about open and social, uh, Right? I don't know how many of you guys use Messenger. I'm sure there may not be many in this audience that use Messenger. But in Messenger, we have a um, a list of whether your status, of whether you're online or available or not. Uh, We are... uh, putting Vitality feeds in there so that you could have a news ticker all the time to know exactly who everybody in your messenger, what they're reading all the time. Um, and you can imagine uh, if, we, uh, if, you, if you can add that into context-sensitive places like in sports. If in, in sports, we have the largest fantasy sports site and we also have uh, the leading sports site on the web. if in, When you're on sports, you can see what all your friends are saving, what they're reading, what they're sharing. It suddenly lights up the network in a way that, that we don't have right now. So we have all these different social experiences in Yahoo across email and across messenger and groups, Flickr, but we have not made it easy to light up the whole network to make things very relevant for you. And it makes a big difference because I don't know how, you know how many people you have on your Facebook um, you know, sites, but the more and more people who join, I, I don't know about you, I feel like I, I just say yes because I want to hurt their feelings, and suddenly I've got hundreds of people on my Facebook account and then it becomes less and less relevant because I've got one news feed across everything they do. So the scale makes it less relevant. Well, if you can put context around that so that you're lighting up vitality and social experiences within sites that have context, we think we can take the best of of, of both experiences. Um, Here's an example of how we open up Search to third-party developers. We're launching this in in another couple of weeks, uh, but we've announced it. So right now when you do Search you get a bunch of blue text links uh, but they all look you know, roughly the same. We're now going to allow third-party developers, you know, whether you're looking for Hillary Clinton or Italy tra- travel or Japanese restaurants, we're going to allow them to innovate on their listings. So you can see this listing is much richer. It has photo uh, reviews, photos sent to a friend. It's rated. That will come up right in your search results. And we think that will make it much more relevant and people will click more, which will drive people back to the site, which ultimately will have them uh, also uh, click on the sponsored ads. So that's, that's never been done, uh, that's going to be launched very soon, that's called SearchMonkey. Um, why is this indispensable? Um, you can get things done faster, it doesn't take you as many links to get to what you're looking for. For publishers, uh, you can imagine OpenTable, if they want to innovate here and, and put some apps on here, it helps them uh, target their most active users, increases their traffic and, in a way that doesn't cost them as much in terms of search engine optimization. And for developers, it gives them access to the largest online community in the world. With 500 million people coming, it's a a wonderful place, a great big sandbox that developers can innovate. Here's another example that's both open and social. So our homepage, Yahoo's homepage, is the most valuable real estate on the web. This this ad, this is several hundred million dollars of revenue a year. People come to our homepage multiple times per day. Um, If you compare it to any newspaper or any other analog, it's, it's extraordinarily valuable. What we didn't do in the past is open it up to third parties. We used it as a way to send people in Yahoo. You have the, all the links here in navigation. We'd send them to things in Yahoo. But we, some of the things we do are the best in the world, but we're not going to have a monopoly on the best ideas. So what we've created are these Buzz badges, and we've distributed them to our newspaper consortium. So as you're reading something really cool, you hit Buzz and you rate, rate it real time. And that gets accumulated. We just launched this a few weeks ago. And then it surfaces that content on our front page. So all the time, our Today module is surfacing the things from all over the web that you guys are, are, are seeing, experiencing, uh, pulsing that are, are very interesting. We have at salon.com, we got them to a million users in a day for the first time ever. We are literally melting websites, third part, you know, other publishers, because the traffic is so incredible by using the power of our, of our home page. Why are we doing that? Because if this is more relevant, people are going to keep coming back, like your cup of coffee, every day, multiple times to the home page, and we'll sell more ads. So the theory, almost you know, if you love something, let it free, it will come back to you. It's the model of search. You go to search not because you think you're going to end there. It's the journey, not the destination. We're trying to make a lot of the Yahoo properties a part of the journey and, and helping people get to the right destination. This is just the voting page. I'll give some more examples. So the surface is the best stories on the web. There's a lot of good examples of that. <clears throat> so the third, the last part is uh, what are we doing for developers? We talked about users. We talked about advertisers. Um, <clears throat> Our, our strength is our scale. Um, we have 650 million people coming a month, and 260 million of those log in. They spend you know, billion, 235 billion minutes, 183 billion page views. There's a huge, huge amount of scale in our numbers. And if we can have one platform that attracts developers so that you write one app and it gets distributed to all of those, those users, that's fundamentally larger than any other site on the web. <coughs> and we think that... <coughs> sorry we think that will attract a huge amount of innovation on our site. We're not set up to do that yet. We will be by the end of this year. And here's just examples. As a user, you can take any third-party app. <clears throat> you may want to see it in Yahoo Sports. You may want to see it on your phone. It will all be very seamless and, and is already being uh, wired that way. So the last theme I'll talk about and then get to Q&A is... is once, you, once you've defined these groups, the users, the advertisers, the publishers, and developers, how do you optimize around that? Um, fundamentally, uh, if we have, it comes around insights. We know a lot about people based on <coughs> the electronic fingerprints they leave on our site. We know what ads they click on. We know what search strings you do. We know where you've been before. If you're in uh, a video site and you were just in autos, we can serve a much better ad, more commercial ad, than if we don't know that. <coughs> so once we have more insights, we can make more relevant experiences. That attracts more users. It also makes uh, the users more relevant to advertisers because they know what the users care about, and that creates a a virtuous circle. So we're optimizing not just around any one of those, but we're trying to find the best users for a given third-party developer and the best advertisers for that to develop this ecosystem and and create a moat. So uh, that is a quick run-through of what we're trying to do in terms of rewiring Yahoo to be to take advantage of our scale rather than be limited in our growth by it. Um, I guess if there's a moral to the story, you got, you got to develop just kick-ass products. You have to have products that are going to change the world. But you got to start with what, knowing what your customers want and having a, a good lens of that. And sometimes the way a company starts is not the way the industry evolves. And the industry in, in the Internet evolved in a way that advertisers wanted to buy across multiple sites easily, not just across one. Users want to be able to surface the best content of the web. There's so many uh, great ways where users can take control of their own experiences, put up their own videos in seconds. Uh, RSS feeds are are moving, uh, surfacing the best of the web on various sites. So so by organizing around uh, that ecosystem of users, publishers, and advertisers, we've been able to um, address a lot of those pain points. And um, I think there are some innovations that users don't know they want customers don't know they want. So sometimes a product approach makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I think it always to, has to be integrated with a very, very strong way to signal and pulse with customers and not get far away from that. Um, we are very focused on this. We, we have the half a billion users coming every month, but we're very focused that, on the fact that they can move to a new address overnight and that we have to earn their respect and uh, make sure that we, we, we promulgate great experiences for them. <laughs> So I'm going to stop there. uh, And I'm happy to take questions on that or anything else at Yahoo. Thank you.
0: Yes. As a uh, daily user of Yahoo, I've got problems with some of the email stuff. And yet there's no feedback to be able to send to somebody at Yahoo. Know, suggestions on how they might improve their interface
1: with poor people outside. Well, oh, give you me your, your name email. on the way out. No, <laughs> no, we do. We do have. We have online help, but uh, that is customer care is one of the areas that we're really focusing on. In that priority number one of get the basics right. I talked about getting ads up faster and um, taking steps out of the process. We also have a number of other priorities there, and customer care is one of those. We actually had our highest customer care ranks in the history of the company in Q1. But we have a long way to go, and um, I'm happy to take your card and h- get you some help. But uh, it's a, it, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's an issue that we need to focus on. So yes. So
0: um, obviously, the last few weeks have been very exciting at Yahoo. Can you give us sort of uh, a board. little bit of a back backstory of the discussions and uh, what's, what's gone on?
1: Well, I don't know that I could tell you anything that's not been in the paper because. Our company leaks like a sieve. People are, I mean, <laughs> uh, as does Microsoft and uh, everyone else involved. But, you know, I, you know, it's uh, really just came down to price. I mean, it was fundamental. You know, we're a public company, and our board ran a process. And we weren't planning to sell the company, but Microsoft came knocking. It's not the first time. Uh, and, um, you know, they, they made it clear they wanted to buy the company. We felt, our board felt, that we are in the midst of this transformation. We actually published uh, our three-year plan, which the board approved last December, called for a relatively flat profit year this year and substantial growth in 09 and 10 because we're absorbing a lot of the development costs for some of the things I showed you today uh, before the revenue ramps. And uh, so so Microsoft's timing was really good. It was right at the uh, low point. We were $19 a share. We had just put out our guidance for the year, which. Uh, We didn't have guidance before that, but analysts uh, have to figure out how to value stocks so they had their own numbers and they were higher than what we put out. And so there was kind of a moment there where we hadn't gotten out to the street to talk to them about what we were doing, and the stock was reflecting a lack of understanding in that. In fact, if you look at the projections that people were carrying, they were um, straight lining out our growth rate in 08, which was our lowest growth rate in revenue for many years, and our lowest margin. And so there is a big gap. You know, it's uh, you know, if you're firing a missile, and you're going a little off target, it gets farther away as the farther you go out. And so, you know, stocks are all valued based on future, the the, the forward look, not the past. Uh, but people were using the past to as a as a guidance as a benchmark because they didn't have anything better. So our our stock kind of got out of whack with what our board felt the real value was. And Microsoft has had, uh, you know, they've said this publicly. They've had, you know, they've literally lost. Um, more in 10 years in money than we've made in 10 years. They've been trying very hard to invest in becoming a leading online company. And at the top of Microsoft, they've said things even three or four years ago about how Google has proven that you can um, give away software for free and monetize it with advertising. So therefore, they need to become the largest ad company in the world. And they just haven't been very successful because it's not about how much money can you throw at this. It's not... It's also not an industry necessarily that reverts to monopoly, like what they're used to. So, um, <laughs> so uh, it, it's about marketplaces, and advertisers want choice. And um, in the case of search, there weren't really that many alternative choices that were as good as Google. Although we I think we've made a lot of progress there. So, um, you know, so so it was a moment in time. It was an opportunity. Um, they will say they offered a big premium based on where we were trading in the past, but it definitely was not a premium to where our board thought the value was in the future. You know, and this went on for a few months and um, came down to the wire on Saturday, basically. I was in Omaha at the Berkshire Hathaway annual meeting and uh, sitting next to Bill Gates, who's also on the board of Berkshire. And uh, <laughs> I, I got there and I reached over to uh, – I whispered in his ear, I was gonna," I said, should I kiss you Hello. I said, well, people think we're getting married. And he said, don't. He stood up stiffly and shook my hand. So Uh, (laughs) that was when the 30,000 people at Quest uh, Stadium were watching us uh, on the floor of the stadium. Um, But later that day, uh, Jerry and David had been authorized by our board to go up there and deliver the price that they thought, you know, as a public company, what is it worth? There's always a price. And um, there was a bid and an ask of about $4. And I thought. I didn't know. I, I actually would have bet more, you know, even money or more that I thought Ballmer would take it and we'd be having a different discussion this week. But they made a choice that that was too much, and um, we went back to work on Monday. So that's that's really where it is. It could, you know, I've had a lot of questions, a lot of interviews. It could come back. Um, I'm not sure what their options are. I think we have a lot of options. But, you know, we have to perform, and we have to deliver the uh, – some of the things I've talked about today have to change the industry in the ways that I've started to articulate or, um, or will probably will be a, a division of another company at some point. So, but I like that kind of pressure, the performance pressure. I want to play the game. If we lose the game, fair and square, that's, that's okay. Uh, but we haven't had a chance to really do it and we're just starting to launch it based on seeds we planted last year. Yes. Yahoo has, in the last many, several years, been one of the big acquirers of small companies. Mm-hmm. And so you're talking to a group of folks that are interested in entrepreneurship. getting taken out of high um, <laughs> so, um, so can you speak to how you see those sort of acquisitions moving forward of small, either consumer web startups or in the advertising
0: space? Do you see it continuing for Yahoo, its, its pace of acquisitions? Any
1: advice for those that are interested in being um, uh, a Yahoo interest oh yeah I'm sorry so the question is um, one of the ways Yahoo has grown is by acquisition of small companies and many of the people in the room and in the ether who are listening um, will be forming small companies and uh, will we be there (laughs) to help you to buy them later I think that's what the question was Um, and the answer is uh, you know absolutely Uh, (laughs) depends on I mean I think we, we have made you know, dozens of acquisitions over time. We're, we're really very disciplined about, we don't acquire things that we don't integrate. And I say that uh, with a heavy recognition that one. I think the single biggest mistake the company made in the past was not integrating Overture fast enough. I think if we had integrated Overture faster into everything else we did, we would have seen, I mean, we, we actually invented the click yield algorithm that Google has, you know, has beaten in the industry on. We were, we were slow to integrate, and therefore, we didn't see some of the innovation um and that's the first thing i did you know back in when i started an operating role back in early uh, '07, that's i integrated all the pieces of it which is hard but it was um it has helped us have a broader picture and we think we're leading on a few things now um so anything we buy we will integrate um it has to be a natural extension of what we're doing so if you think about that ecosystem i was talking about uh if it's anything that would help us um develop better experiences for advertisers it could be a lot of interesting companies around analytics, of how do you analyze return on investment across multiple sites as an advertiser, as a publisher, how do I manage yield, how do I take every pixel on every single page and figure out how to maximize its value, Uh, how much should be ads, how much should be content. There's a lot of good analytics companies out there. Um, Ad networks have been one of the hot areas recently. Those are slowing down a little bit because an ad network that is not associated with the insights that um, Yahoo and other companies have, doesn't ultimately have a lot of value besides brokering an ad. If they have a, if they have the insights, they can develop algorithms that help match the very best ad with the very best uh, user. Uh, but um, so that area slowed down a bit. But no, we're we're no shortage of acquisitions. We acquired Maven this year, which is a, a video platform company. Um, Blue Lithium, which is a uh, ad network that had a, a special ability to retarget a form of targeting and. There will always be interesting companies out there that can move faster and may see something a niche faster, and, and we're we'll be there with open arms. And we have a few billion in cash, so <laughs> <laughs> we're generating cash, so that's good. Yes. Uh, will platform, part of the open social Google, or is it going to be internet? Well, we are we are going to support open social, and uh, but I would say uh, the approach we take um, will be broader than that, and very. I mean, we, we have such an, an enormous amount of users right on Yahoo that the apps people can develop on Yahoo will be ex, you know, extremely well distributed, but we're absolutely very open to, to others as well. In fact, one of the core strategic um, initiatives we undertook when we started this plan about 18 months ago is, is opening up everything, whether it's our search platforms, uh, whether it's you know, the, the user sites that we talked about. We, we feel like the world has changed in a way. You know, early on, Yahoo organized a lot of the world's information. Uh, but, as the platforms have developed that allow users and de- anybody to be a, a developer, uh, we'd like to tap the innovation of you know the wisdom of the crowds. So yes.
0: I have a couple questions. First is, you make your money on advertising, which is sort of the end of the whip of what people consider discretionary and a downturn in the economy. And I consider it myself that the downturn is coming. But your technology is so far ahead of what has been in the advertising world, you're chipping away at a huge, even bigger, Uh, bubble uh, in a very successful way, Uh, so is Google, so are others trying. My question really is do you look at the uh, economic environment either fearfully or uh, does it affect what you do about major investments as you go forward in managing your business? Uh,
1: Yes, so the question is about um, the macroeconomic environment, the fact that advertising is cyclical has been in the past and how does that affect our thinking about future investment. And certainly right now with a lot of questions in the economy with the um, dislocations in the financial sector, et cetera. So um, we do, of course, look at that. And um, let me go backwards. So the, the point being raised is a great one, which is, let's start with advertising as a whole. Advertising is a $500 billion business globally. I showed you it on the internet. It's about $40 billion now. This is closing in on 10% of the total, up from zero you know, when it started 12 years ago, 15 years ago as a commercial business. Um, but most companies, when they think about how much money they're going to spend on advertising or marketing, they do a plan, and they think about how much their sales are going to be. And their advertising is one expense, their people are another expense, and you go on down the line. And then you come up with a profit number that you're targeting. And um, when things slow down, if your sales number goes from here to here, the quickest thing you can change is advertising, because that's a lot easier than laying off a lot of people in the short term, and it can have an in-that-quarter effect. So uh over the history of advertising, um, in kind of a slight lagging way, uh, uh, advertising has been somewhat cyclical with the economy. Uh, and that's true, and that's happening in traditional advertising now. I think the secular forces on the internet are overwhelming the cyclical ones. Um, but that doesn't mean that we won't grow slower, but we're going from, you know, 25 percent to 15, not from 7 to 0, which is what a lot of the traditional media companies are experiencing. And in some ways the internet is more measurable. You can calculate a, a cost to acquire a customer through a search or a display ad very, very analytically. So you can kind of measure the the economic equation better than you can in a traditional in a broadcast ad, for example. The old famous quote from back in the seventies where you know marketer said, I know fifty percent of my advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half, so it's hard to find figure it out. Well, on the internet you can figure it out and you know how to how to manage that toggle. So um, I would say we, we are definitely seeing slower, I've said this publicly, slower advertising in financial, uh, travel, retail. You know, if you think you drop the pebble in the pond of the housing sector and all the ripples are starting to affect other industries, we're starting to see some, some weakness in some of those categories. But we have had offsetting strength elsewhere. So we, we're pretty much, we had a good first quarter. It was a little better than what we expected. And uh, we had reflected what we saw economically in our guidance back in January. And I would say it hasn't gotten um, worse. I mean, it seems like it's came, came off a little bit and it's moving along a pace. I don't know what will happen in the future, but um, in the little petri dish of the internet, it's, 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 it's not moving in exactly the same direction as the broader economy. Uh, maybe a little slower, but not dramatic like what we've seen elsewhere. That's today. Ask me three months from now. It could change. Yes?
0: Um, a couple of years ago, Netscape.com changed their uh, homepage to a user voting system similar to what you were uh, showing on your presentation. And as a result, the uh, top stories at the top tended to be skewed towards um, Paris Hilton and Hollywood gossip and things like that. <laughs> so are you concerned about alienating users who may not have the time or care to vote for what they want to see? It's
1: uh, an interesting question. I I think that, well, one thing that's important to note is we are not automating our homepage. So when the buzz badges all day long are taking the pulse of what people like to read, uh, we are not automatically moving that to our our Today module. We have other, we are also looking at what people are doing on our site um, and have other algorithms that factor into that. And then we have editors that ultimately choose because that's such an important piece of real estate that we don't want to have... If if popularity might come at a quality discount, we don't want to do that. So um, we are trying to figure out scalable ways to surface the very best of the web, um, and then overlay that with an editorial process that can make sure that we're monitoring that. Um, So I don't know. All I can tell you is that since we've, it used to be that our homepage. So so the, the way this could move is today, the first step of it is what I described is. We used to have one set of stories on the, home, on the Today module, and we might change them once or twice a day. We started manually doing that to 10 or 12 times a day in the fall, and our homepage traffic went up by 25%. And now that we just launched this buzz, it's in limited beta now, and it's already been hugely successful. We're refreshing you know, many times more a day. But um, if we ever saw that that were counterproductive, we would, we would certainly pull back. The other thing that I didn't talk about that were, were, is more of a, 08, a 09, 10 priority is we talked a lot about how the ads that are served are dynamically um, worked out by the algorithms based on what you know about user intent from their search string or what you know about them from which sites they've been in or demographics. Today, content experiences are static. So you go to the homepage, and if you're interested in the Raiders and uh, in college sport or in pro sports and someone else is interested in American Idol, you, know, you get the same results served. But as we know more about people, we're actually going to fundamentally, dynamically serve content uh, based on what we know people are interested in. And you know, same question could apply, but I think if, we, if we're really smart about using our insights well and also give users the ability to open or close that and, and, and vo- voice what the choices they would like, we think that'll make everything more relevant as opposed to less relevant or low quality. So, yes? Yeah, so
0: there's been a lot of talk recently about outsourcing part of its search advertising to Google. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about yeah, the
1: output like search advertising side Google with Google Yeah, so there's on that there's not a lot I can say on that. Um, we so after we got the Microsoft offer, it was incumbent upon our board to look at alternatives. So one alternative is standalone and generate the plan that we had talked with them and shared with them. Uh, talked with them about three months earlier. Another alternative might be to have someone else monetize our search. Um, another alternative—some of these are not mutually exclusive—might be to buy a AOL. Um, another one might be to buy MySpace. So all these things have been talked about in the press. I'm, I'm not—hopefully—saying anything you haven't read. I'm not confirming or denying any of them. But you know, there's there's a uh, <laughs> process of alternatives that were looked at as a part of those alternatives. We conducted a a limited test with Google results. Uh, On 3% of our search queries for two weeks, we used Google monetization to understand the gap. And uh, we published the gap uh, publicly, that what we thought it was before the test. And we thought it was about 100% difference before the test. I mean, before we launched Panama, which is our search platform, and that we closed that by 30% last year. So there's roughly 70% left. And I would just say what I've said publicly uh, is it confirmed roughly what we thought. Now what does this mean? I don't know how closely everybody follows this. But um, I think of there's two forms of search. Search, there's the algorithmic results that you get back when the things you're really looking for when you use search. And then there's the sponsored results that you get back, which uh, if you're searching something that's commercial, that might be a highly relevant uh, result. Every time you click on a commercial result, Google gets paid or we get paid if you do it on our site. Um, so the, 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 the amount of queries a company generates across both algorithmic and search is what I think of as the golden goose. That's your inventory. That's the asset value. The size of the eggs she lays is how well you monetize them. How much do you generate for every single query? Every time you type in a search string for um, a new car, uh, how much are we getting from an advertiser from that versus, versus Google? Yahoo has uh, very publicly said a few years ago that we did not monetize as well, that we were not getting as much revenue per query as, as Google. So there's a gap there, and we did not have a scalable search platform. We bought it from Overture, which was like a sales and marketing company. I mentioned earlier we didn't integrate fast enough. We have great <coughs> engineering talent, but we didn't, we didn't do that soon enough. So we were late with it. Um, it's been out for more than a year. It's closed the gap by a third. The question upon our board and upon our management team is do we want to – move quicker to close it, which is easy to do by using Google, or do we want to continue to be a principal in search uh, because it's a part of that broader advertising vision that I talked about earlier? And I would say we're very much aligned with that latter view. We actually think that because we are the only company with real scale in both display inventory and search inventory, we can create the same RPM advantage that they've done in RPS. So if we were to do anything with them, uh, it would recognize that longer term that's our objective, and we'd be balancing short term with long term and beyond that we've n- we've made no decisions um, and you know we've been talking to them as i said on zarek schmidt said on his conference call yeah we we've been working with those yahoo people they're very nice and <laughs> so we tried to say I, I was waiting for the moment on our conference call to say yeah those google people are really nice but it didn't didn't uh, the time, the moment didn't come up so <laughs> yes
0: um, I was reading Valley Wag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are you reading now?
1: I know. So
0: it, it had this article, and it said that Jerry Yang rejected the Microsoft offer because he was having a bad day, and that he's now only repeats. So um, is there any ounce of truth
1: to that? <clears throat> I remember that something. I had a bad day. No, uh, it's a, no. They um, that there's no truth to that. Uh, Jerry and David were sent up as messengers to Steve on Saturday, and uh, why? They're two of the largest shareholders of the company, and um, but it's our board's decision, and the board deliberated for three months. Uh, Steve Ballmer put a three-week deadline on it, which expired more than a week ago, <laughs> and um, and you know it came back. Then there were some conversations, and our board decided what price they would sell the company. And Jerry and David went up and told Steve the price, and Steve said no. And that's the end of the story. It's, you know, there's, that's what makes markets. Steve felt like, in his words, 33 was the right price. Our board's walk away was 37. And usually deals don't fall apart for that reason, but this one did. So they didn't have anything to do with Jerry or David or anything else. But, they, but they're very much of the mind of you have to maximize value. As a public company, that's what you have to do. So, yes?
0: You mentioned your acquisition of Maven, the video platform, and that's now in addition to a number of other video products that you have, JumpCod and uh, Flickr Video now. And I'm wondering, uh, it would all suggest that you think video advertising is going to start to be a real revenue-generating business, uh, even more so than right now. And I'm wondering if and
1: when you expect that to start Mm -hmm. happening. Yeah. So the question... um, I think I've repeated part of these. Sorry if I've missed some. But the question is on video, advertising, and content, and what do we think about it. Uh, we have a number of video initiatives. Um, JumpCut is an editing tool, Flickr video we just launched. And Maven is an advertising platform and content distribution. But um, I guess, yes, we, we, we think there's going to be a day where people don't talk about video versus text versus display. It's going to be like the air that you breathe. You know, it's, it's just a part of the experience. You don't think about it in a tangible way. And, uh, but today, it's still, because of broadband, still getting to the point where the experience is really strong. And because it's, it's, a, it's, a, compli- it's a more complicated, um, both content and advertising sale because of the rights owners and, and their integrated sales forces today, like a Viacom. So, on the one hand, we are trying to consolidate our video experiences from a consumer standpoint, back to, you know, being a product-driven company, uh, if we go to focus on the user experience, we should have a very integrated set of video products, not 25 of them. So we're really focusing on actually uh, by the end of this year we will have dramatically narrowed down into one video platform a lot of the content experiences and players. Um, Maven is really more about the advertising side and making it an easy easy way to buy that. Sometimes they're linked. You, know, in a, you could have in a um, YouTube video, you could actually have before or after or in it a video ad experience or you could have a video ad experience on a static content page. We have a lot of those. So I I really think of the content as kind of separate from the advertising in terms of how it's developing. But um, the advertising is about maybe a $500 million business, not quite even a billion. So out of the $40 billion business, video is relatively small. Um, There's a lot of reasons for that. Part of that is there's not a lot of inventory yet to run the ads in that are this video. So we're focusing on trying to take friction out of the system. We absolutely think it's that video will be integrated into every experience, every site, uh, longer term. And we're trying to position ourselves for that. Are
0: there particular ad units that you guys are
1: putting bullish on? We, we do. We have actually a really some cool innovation. We have not announced them yet. But um, we're try- within the players, we're trying to come up with ways to make it as um, unobtrusive as possible. If you run your cursor over parts of the player, it will give you different um, signals. So we're working on that. Yes?
0: I was just wondering, on the last slide you put up there, you mentioned that there's a really low switching cost. For the end users, and that's uh, something that, that needs to be addressed. Google and Microsoft both have in their back pocket an office suite or an office type suite. Mm-hmm. I was wondering how the the strategy you outlined. I had trouble sort of understanding how that would affect uh, raising the switching costs for the end consumer.
1: Yeah, it's um, we are we are not focused on necessarily um, any kind of app suite. Um, we did buy Zimbra recently, which has um, fantastic uh, email uh, sort of a. a End to end email so people who can use your email from education all the way through you leave school and, and migrate onto a Yahoo mail. Uh, and it's uh, hosted app, it's, it's fantastic. But beyond, we're not trying to get into cal- you know, uh, business use of calendar or anything like that. I think the, the way we hope to become very sticky is by having, if we use our insights well on the content side, and you are uh, finding what you're looking for because we know more about you and your preferences than any other site given our scale and the breadth of what we do and igniting this vitality network throughout Yahoo. Uh, We think that the relevance will keep people coming back. (coughs) Once you input information on you know, if we have uh, customized pages like my where you have all your stock prices or sports scores or as, as you commit yourself to a network it becomes it's not impossible to switch but it's harder to switch because your experience is so good. So if we can get to the point where we can have the most relevant experiences on Yahoo, uh, we think people will stay and, and at least come back. Um, one of the things I didn't talk about is early on we were focused on literally hundreds of different properties. Uh, we're really trying to refocus on what we call starting points, and those starting points are search, mail, mobile, um, what am I missing? Homepage, and maybe in something so you know, a social experience. These are the things people come to multiple times per day. That's where the best insights are. 70% of the web's revenue goes to those four or five properties. So literally, uh, rather than dilute our focus over hundreds, we'd rather become really, really good at, at a few, and then surface the, the destinations of all over the web uh, and, and be a conduit to get to them. And I think if, if there are very few companies with that scale that can help surface the best of the web at any given point, And if we can succeed in that, we think people will keep coming back.
0: Mm-hmm. And, uh, do you think acquiring
1: an company is slowing of yeah the question was about acquisitions and whether they slow the company down. I think they do both. You know, I think they speed you up in certain areas because uh, the time to market is a lot faster if you acquire a company that's already up. Um, but you do, but to get the value of it you really do need to integrate it and um, you know and that does take some time. I think net net we evaluate that every time we look at acquisitions, and um, when we make an acquisition, we think that it will it will speed us up in a key area that we feel like we need to supplement. Okay. But um, I think if you don't if you don't integrate, in the end, you don't get the power of the scale of Yahoo, and that's that's the asset we bring. So. Yes. So,
0: in your chart, the breakdown of advertising, it's something like currently in mobile advertising makes like nothing, but by two thousand and ten, it's going to be like a two in dollar industry or something like that. Um, what are, like, do you think advertising on mobile is actually
1: viable in the world? That's a great question on uh, mobile advertising and size, scale, viability. Those are not our numbers. Those are third-party numbers. Um, personally, I'm not sure. I, I, as I said to Marco Boris, who runs our mobile business, we, we're a leader in mobile by a good measure. It's fantastic products. We have a footprint that now that hits 500, 600 million people in the world. They don't all use it, but they can from business development deals, and I can talk more about that another time, but um, I am not sure yet whether mobile is a service or a business, and what I mean by that is we have to have unbelievable mobile products because people's lives are moving to mobile. In many markets around the world, countries, people start with a mobile experience, and people feel very affectionate and personal about their mobile devices, something like half of the of people that have them sleep with them at night. And most people who have them don't share them with their partner. So it is, it is uh, some, you know, the, the stats on mobile are really fascinating. And you have to, the, the, because the form factor is so small, you have to find what you really care about on, on mobile. You can't have a lot of extraneous stuff. So for that reason, um, both the content you serve and the advertising, there's a much higher bar. Um, if we don't have great mobile experiences, People may leave our PC experiences, where we generate a lot of advertising, because they want an integrated experience. They may want a different visual experience, but they want to be able to access that stuff. So we, we are out hard at work making great mobile experiences, but um, I don't know how big the advertising market is going to be. And I think it will develop, but I think it's going to be slow. Any last questions? Two more minutes?
0: Yeah, if there's any last questions, otherwise. Yeah. Yep. Sure. Yes. Do you, do you see room for a subscription model service, uh, such as the Wall Street Journal, or do you think we're going to move towards exclusively advertising-based revenue models?
1: So the question is the models, subscription versus uh, paid. I don't, I don't think there's going to be one answer. I think, you know, average... You look at traditional media: newspapers are 80% advertising, 20% circulation; magazines are 50/50; broadcast is almost all advertising; cable is a mix. I, I think you know people will pay for great, very specialized content that matters to them, and I think there'll be a market for that. Um, I think the bigger market will be advertising, but I do I think there very well be, will be markets for subscriptions or pay for the song, pay for the content. So I, I don't I don't I don't have a clear vision about which will. You know, what the mix will be, but I think both will be out there. Yahoo's primary focus is on advertising, though. All right, thank you. Thank you.